you'll turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 57 through 80. So it's Luke chapter 1, verse 57. So if you have a blue Bible, that would be page 856, 856. All right, so we are in a series called The Songs of Christmas, looking at the, way, the different ways that, that as the news of Jesus' coming came to people of all kinds of different suffering, aches, pains, misery, sorrows, regardless, they exploded in song, they exploded in joy as the, their understanding of everything was changed. And so today we're going to look at Zechariah's song, the Benedictus. So your free Latin lesson for the day, that means blessed, blessed. All right, so you're welcome. <laughs> um, and so let's read the Benedictus. We're going to read the text here, and then we'll, we'll look at it and pray. So this is the word of our God. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and these, all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate, who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. And this is God's word. He has spoken to us. It is true, trustworthy, and spoken in love. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we ask today that the wonders of your love uh, would dawn on us. Uh, like a warm sunrise, that the brightness of your presence would chase away our anxiety, our fear, our unbelief, our shame, our guilt, all these things that linger that plague us. Uh, 
May Zechariah's song lead us to sing with joy because we are a blessed people, because Christ has visited us. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. We ask for help. Amen. One of the things that is great about these first Christmas stories, especially in the Gospel of Luke, is how God draws you into the story as you get to relate to these people as, as people. Uh, that they're, they're not mythical, they're, they're human like you or I. And so we had Mary last week, this, this humble, poor woman from the middle of nowhere that God blessed beyond her imagining. And today we get Zechariah the priest. Uh, he gets to tell his story. And if you remember in Luke, Luke interviewed the eyewitnesses. So this is, this is coming from Zechariah. Zechariah is telling you what happened. And in so many ways, um, as you're going to see, this is Zechariah's confession of that time God spoke good news to him and he just failed to believe it. Right. So before Zechariah sings, we didn't, he, he confesses his failure to believe, which makes Zechariah the priest unfortunately human like us, because he too fails. And yet, the hope and the reality of Christmas, of Jesus coming down, um, God coming to visit, it moves him from his, his shame and his fear to a place of praise and joy. He found healing. And that, that's the invitation to us this morning, that, is, that whatever you're afraid of, the darkness that you are facing, um, your own guilt, your own shame, right? The, the, the announcement, the tidings of comfort and joy that God has visited us and he has redeemed us by name is meant to invade your fears and invade your failures and to cover them. And so let's, let's listen to Zechariah's confession. I hope you can see he's like, like you, he's like me. Because Zechariah, before he sings, right, he's a priest. This is his vocation. This is his job. And he serves at the temple in Jerusalem. And in the ancient world, in ancient Israel, this is, the temple was God's house. This is where God dwelled, specifically, especially with his people. It's the place where heaven and earth meet, where they, they intersect. And so if you want to go have fellowship with the living God, if you want to pray to this God, if you want to have your sins forgiven, all those things, and, and before Jesus came, you would go to the temple. And that's where you would meet and find Zechariah. It's God's house. And so one day it fell to Zechariah to go into the temple uh, to, to light the incense as everyone was praying. And if you can picture the temple, he would inch right up as close as he could get to the heavenly throne room. He was right by the curtain that protected him from God's presence. He's walking into God's house with, um, I imagine, some anxiety. Because you can't get too close. Right. And the incense, of course, was, what it was, was an act of God's hospitality. He wanted his house to smell good, so that's part of it. Right. It's, it's, it's God's desire to bless. You could smell it when you walked into the temple. But in Zechariah's case, as he walked in, right, he, the incense is connected to the prayers of God's people, uh, making the prayers smell good. This is a very interactive experience. Right? Zechariah is walking in while God's people are outside praying. And so as the prayers go up, the incense goes up and into God's presence, and he hears them. He hears their cries and would answer. And so you can picture he's got the incense, he's going to burn it, he's got sweaty palms. 
right? I mean, if, if just for me, I mean, every pastor will tell you, you get nervous doing what God tells you to do. I don't have that thread of, of God looming over my shoulder the same way of if I go past the curtain or touch the wrong thing, boom, game over. And so Zechariah is anxiously approaching the incense, and all of a sudden, right, just like all of us, we go to church and not, not expecting it, and boom, there's God, God's messenger <laughs> mediating God's presence, an angel. It's not what he expected, and he, he starts panicking, he's afraid, he starts freaking out, and the angel proclaims, good news, don't be afraid, I have good news for you. You will have a son, despite your age. This boy will serve the Lord. He will prepare the way for the Lord. He will be the long-promised forerunner of the prophets, right? The Malachi and Isaiah foretold to get God's people ready for God to visit. And so here's the message to Zechariah. He has one job. It's not that complicated. It's very simple. God says to Zechariah through the angel, I will bless you, just receive the gift. And with the typical human propensity to fail, <laughs> to suck the joy out of Christmas, Zechariah blew it. He said, are you sure? We're old. How is that possible? It's impossible. All he had to do was believe God's word, and he failed in God's presence. And you would think, Zechariah being the priest, right? He's a Bible nerd. He's been studying the scriptures. It's his job to teach the scriptures. He would remember the story of Abraham uh, that, that God, before in times past, has caused, well, Abraham and Sarah to have a child in their old age. All he had to do was believe. Abraham believed, and God counted it to him as righteousness. Zechariah, will you believe? And Zechariah says, I failed. And so just let that invade your, your imagination. You have someone who is... a who is seemingly great in the eyes of ordinary people. He's, he's a servant of the Lord, and yet he failed. And so Zechariah is struck speechless, unable to talk until the moment of his song, and that's when he explodes. And so that's why I'm saying this is an invitation to move from our fear of God, our fear of our own failure, <laughs> the reality of our own failure, um, to join the joy of Christmas, because God sent a horn of salvation, uh, which I'll explain, to lead you to joy. Right? So Christmas is for those who struggle to believe. That's, that's the point. It's for those who failed, for those who are afraid, for those who live in darkness. And this is going to bring you there. Let's, let's look closer. How does this song lead you to joy? And the first thing we see is, is, is Zechariah sings and celebrates that God has visited God comes to visit. Right, that's verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. It's such a simple thing, but it's a potent, powerful proclamation that God came to visit. I mean, don't, don't skip over that. And, and the, the, the Greek word, I mean, it's, it sounds simple, but it's a visitation with a purpose. Uh, visitation with a desire to help. God showed up to visit here on earth saying, you guys need help. I need help. And the, the person who came to visit is the God of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth, your creator, the king of the cosmos. And so you have Zechariah bursting into song 
because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has come down to earth at the first Christmas to visit, to taste our sadness, as the hymn says. See, part of what Zechariah is telling you is that God came from heaven to earth with a priestly concern for human beings, for you, for me, to see you and to help you, to visit with you. Uh, It's a picture of the God of Israel who has heard God's people's crying and he's come to help, he's come to visit, he's come to deliver them. It's, It's Israel and Egypt all over again. We're stuck. We need someone to come save us. All right. So just read through the song that way with that, with that filter of God coming to visit, coming to his creation in order to heal and to help. And the Bible, biblical word there is to redeem his people. All right. Now, I don't want to skip over this because this is really powerful. Right. Um, when my dad was ill with cancer, we had, vis- we had some visitors. And uh, some, the ones that came from the furthest away to us shouted the loudest of how much they cared uh, for their friend. Right? The further the distance, the deeper the appreciation. And so that, that's what the Christmas story is about. <laughs> right? it's, it's God, your creator, <laughs> saying, I'm concerned about you, you aren't well, I want to be with you. You need my help. Now Zechariah, of course, um, is thinking about his own people, his own ethnicity, uh, the the, the Jews in particular who are suffering, um, the Jews who are in bondage, the Jews who are suffering under Rome. But the promises he references, the promises to Abraham, the promises to Abraham that were meant to be a blessing to the whole world. I mean, this, this beautiful, personal, present visitation of God is not just meant for Israel in the moment. It's, it's going to be meant that God could come and visit you where you are right here in the 21st century. Because we need help. Right? Maybe Zacchaeus will help you see the power and grace in God's Christmas visit. Right? You remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man, uh, sitting in a tree. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with our kids. Right? It says Jesus saw him, and he basically said, I'm coming to your house to visit. And that announcement was also his way of saying, you're not well, you need my friendship. And everyone around grumbled because of the kind of person that Jesus came to visit. A sinner, a failure, a tax collector. He's filthy rich. Nobody likes him. He's alone in the tree. And yet Jesus says, I'm coming to visit. I'm coming to your house today so that I can make you well. And that's how that whole interaction ends is today salvation has come to your house because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, to come to those who are languishing in darkness, who need help. And so, as you bask in the good news, the personal news, this is what Zechariah is exploding, blessed be, it's another word for praise, celebrating God, it's it's for our well-being, but he's coming with, well, it's a humbling visit too. (coughs) Isn't it? 
to say you need help, right? I mean, if, well, I'll put it this way. When I'm making dinner, my wife pushes me out of the way and say, here, I'm here to help you, <laughs> right? She's telling you I'm, I'm not cooking it right and she can do a better job, which is totally true, by the way. God's Christmas visit is shouting that human beings need help to live on earth because we're not doing it right. That we're so lost in darkness, so sick, we're in bondage to our own claustrophobic selves that we need God to come and say, you need help. You need, my, you need me to visit. Praise God that he actually wants to. <laughs> Have you admitted that? that that's that's Christ, part of becoming a Christian. That even now, as a follower of Jesus, I still need help. I need God to visit me, to help me, to carry me along. That's what Zechariah, the professional minister, did. <laughs> he said, remember that time when I blew it, and God came anyway. All right. And you can apply it, because the more you understand that, that Christmas is about visiting, it's about caring for those in darkness, about having priestly concern for people, um, you're going to imitate and embody the Christmas spirit by visiting others. Uh, think about everyone Jeff just prayed for in our immediate community. I mean, how do you show them that you care? How do you show them that the church loves them? How do you show them that God really does care about their darkness, their loneliness, their suffering? Right. Show up. You don't have to have the right words. Sometimes no words are better. Right. Saying... That coming from someone who talks too much, right? Sometimes silence speaks volumes because we can't fix it. But when you visit one another, we're, we're embodying and replaying the story of the gospel of that, that God comes to visit those who are lonely, who are sick, who are drowning in guilt, who need to hear another word of good news. Right? And it's, it's for anybody, right? If you have a body and, and the body is as well as can be expected, right? You can get around. If you're a Christian, you can do this. If your body is not well, this is what we want to do for you. Um, I mean, maybe for you, visitation is going to look like inviting people into your home or taking people out to eat. Whatever that looks like, it's still a, a holy reenactment of the Christmas story <laughs> of God coming to visit and care for his people, to offer help. All right? Now, when God comes to visit, what does he bring with him? That's, that's the second point here. He brings a Christmas horn, the horn of salvation. Right? And it tells you how he's going to help, specifically. And this is not a familiar metaphor, but it's a beautiful one, that Jesus, baby Jesus, right? he, he's the horn of your salvation. It's verse 69 here, that God has raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David, to show mercy, to remember God's promises, to help us, save us from our enemies. All right, so when God comes to you and he looks at you and he says, what do you need most? You need a horn of salvation. I don't know if you woke up thinking about that this morning. Because right? the horn of salvation is not, I don't think I've seen it on too many Christmas cards, the way the Bible portrays the horn. Right? This is one of my missions to to fix everyone's nativity scene, right? A couple years ago, you need a dragon from Revelation. <laughs> Here you need a, a horn of salvation. Or what is it? What is this horn? It's not a trumpet, and it's not a musical instrument. Right? It comes 
straight, it's an image of rescue and redemption straight from the Old Testament. From Numbers 23, verse 22, it says, God brings his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, and is like and is for them like the horns of the wild ox. Right? So that's what the Christmas horn is. That's what the horn of the salvation is. Picture this massive 1,500-pound creature with horns like a, a foot in diameter, massive and long, right, that comes to fight for you. This is a violent image. You'll find it in the Psalms. Psalm 92 Behold, O Lord, all your enemies shall perish and be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You've, given me, you've made me strong. It's an image of strength. Now you could read Micah 4.13. Micah 4.13, where God says to Jerusalem, Rise up, O daughter, for I will make your horn iron and your hooves like bronze, and you shall beat down in pieces many peoples. It's, it's, it's warlike type imagery. Baby Jesus, right? he's a horn of salvation that God has raised up for you. Right? And so you think about all those miseries we've been talking about, that Jesus comes, God comes down to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found, and he comes after the curse the way a wild ox goes after a lion. And he wields that horn in a violent manner <laughs> to go after and even gore the lion. Right. So Christmas has these, these metaphors, right? It's, it's, it's God's strength, the horn of his salvation, the horn of the wild ox fighting for you, defending you, making you strong as he comes to you in tender mercy, <laughs> as he comes to help. And so just... This, this needs to grab our imagination because I know we don't think like ancient Hebrews unless you just live with it every day. Right? Let the image of the horn of a wild ox invade your Christmas. Because in the animal kingdom, I know we like to think of the lion as the king of the jungle. Right? He's, we think of Mufasa. Nobody messes with Mufasa. Right? Makes the hyenas tremble if you're a Lion King fan. Right? And that's, that's one of the ways the Bible talks about how people hurt each other. From nations down to individuals is using the metaphor of a predatorial cat. Right. So the poetry of the Psalms and Isaiah all talk about their neighboring violent neighbors, like roaring like lions coming to devour helpless prey. So you could hear it in Isaiah 5. Babylon. Babylon, who would literally drag people by their lips with fish hooks in their mouth, right? Terrible, terrible, violent people. It says, their roaring is like a lion. They growl and seize their prey like lion, young lions. They roar. They carried it off and none can rescue. Like lions, they prey on the weak. Right? It's, it's the world we live in. It's, it uses the image of lions and violence to picture bullies. Uh, anybody who's ever harmed you has acted like a lion. Right? Anybody who's ever lashed out. Uh, we were talking about it this morning, about do, do not murder in the sixth commandment. Even with words, right? Roaring, growling. Right? Why won't anyone love me? It's because we're growling like, like lions. 
And so what's, what's got strong enough, right? If you're teaching a people who live in the Middle East and you're teaching kids, you want an image that they can remember that there is something out there stronger than the lions, what, are you gonna, what hope are you going to give them? The wild ox, the God who comes and rescues like that animal that is strong enough to ram a hole through the lion that's trying to eat you. See, when Jesus comes, it's a promise to destroy our enemies the way an ox kills a lion defending, most often defending its own child, so that we can live in peace without fear of God and of our enemies, so we can actually enjoy God being with us. We can serve him without fear. So this, this image, I don't know if you believe it or not, but this image is for your peace. It's for your anxiety. It's for your fears. That Jesus is the horn of your salvation. That Christmas is the true story that God has come down to earth, stampeding to the rescue with horns gleaming in the sunlight, ready to gore your enemies. And I know perhaps you feel this way of saying, okay, it's a cool image. But who are my enemies? What is Jesus coming after? What is Zechariah celebrating that Jesus will defeat? Who are these enemies? Why do I need a horn of salvation? I think we've all had that experience where you're given a gift that you didn't know you needed. (laughs) So we celebrated Christmas with my family at Thanksgiving this year. And my mom, who loves to give us books, because she's a Presbyterian pastor's wife, um, my brother and I both got a devotional. It's called A Small Book for a Big Problem, Anger. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> right. And both my brother and I at the same time said, what are you trying to say? <laughs> because often gifts tell you what you need. And so when God says to you and to me, you need a horn of salvation, when Zechariah is singing and celebrating that you have a horn of salvation to fight for us, what is he telling you that you need? He's telling you you need delivered and protected from enemies. This is God coming to you to tell you the kind of help you need. We have enemies outside. Other people. People who harm. Uh, People who claw. People who, who roar in anger. When they come to visit you, you kind of wish they didn't. Um, You have death outside of us. I mean, this is part of what we're praying about, of just, God, help us prepare and deal with with loss this holiday season. It's one of those lions that none of us will be able to escape. You can run for 70 or 80 years, but eventually it finds us. Uh, the evil one is described as a lion outside looking to devour, and that's the weapon he uses. Is, is He loves to throw our failures in our face, and he loves to use uh, our slavery to death uh, to cause us fear. Right. So there are lions outside of us that, that we need rescued from. There are lions inside of us. I need help. Zechariah needs help. He confessed it. Right. Genesis 4 describes sin crouching inside me, ready to rule over me and hurt other people. That's the story of Cain and Abel. All right. that's, that's our propensity to fail, to, to hurt people, to break things. 
that, that rules us even in priests and pastors, those who hear God's good news and say, I don't know if I want to believe that right now. See, Christmas is good news because we have real enemies. We need Jesus, the horn of salvation, to save us from us, <laughs> to save us from, from others, to save us from death, to save us from the evil one, his ability to rub our failures in our face. Christmas is God's tender mercies that, come, that he sends a violent, strong, wild ox to slay the lion. Now, how does he do that? <laughs> well, we get, you go through the song, right? It's, he raised up the horn of salvation. It's from David's family tree to save us from our enemies, to show us mercy. The God had promised to do this from the beginning. And, and it's God's promise that we might serve him without fear. And you get to verse 76. All right? when, John, when, when Zechariah looks in tenderness at his own son, he explodes in praise of what, not what, he, he praises what John's going to do, uh, the salvation that is, that is coming. It says, You, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of sins, because of the tender mercy of our God. Right? What will this horn of salvation do? It's going to forgive sins. He's going to work out the forgiveness of sins, meaning that ox, Jesus, that horn, is going to stand between you and God, whom we've offended. He's going to defend you. He's going to bring forgiveness of sins. Um, right, Zechariah is describing what Jesus will do when he says he's going to seek the lost. Right, I mean, the picture in verse 79 of these people in darkness and the shadow of death who can't find a path to walk on. Right? It's people who, who don't know why they're here or where they're going, and life is just hard. Right? Those are the people Jesus is going to pursue. So that the horn is not just a defensive image. He's coming to find you, to defend you. And how does he de redeem and deliver us then? Well, it's his tender, violent mercy. You know, if you have this image in your head, that the Messiah is going to be a horn of salvation. He's going to come like this massive creature. and just, Especially if you live in the violent world when Israel did, with Romans crucifying people every day. You're expecting the horn of salvation to triumph, right? To, to wield that horn and just slaughter everyone who's against you. But that's not the Christmas story. That's not how it ends. Because Christmas comes leads to Calvary, to the cross. This massive wild ox who delivers us from our enemies by, by allowing himself to be killed, really by all the lions, right? all the wild animals. Because Jesus, when he quotes Psalm 22 on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22 goes on to describe uh, with animal-like terms the nature of those who are killing him. These violent men, they open wide their mouths at me. They're like a ravenous and roaring lion. See, the, the wild ox came to fight for you on the cross as he allowed himself to be torn to pieces um, by our God 
in his anger towards us and the harm we've caused. He's willing to fight death by dying himself. See, the cross is the clearest revelation of why you need the Christmas horn. (laughs) Why you need God to visit, because the cross shows me, and it's showing you right now that I need help. If I could fix myself by just being told what to do, I would get up and do it. The problem is I know exactly what to do. Believe God's good news, and some days I just don't want to. It's hard. This lionish thing is still here. So I need God to forgive my sins, to take away my fear of God's presence so that I can serve him without fear. I need to hear that news over and over again. But the cross shows me I need help. Right? I mean, Zechariah, you think about Zechariah's confession. When an angel showed up, he fell apart at the seams. How would you feel when the God who knows everything about you shows up to your house? See, forgiveness of sins takes away the fear so you can stand in God's presence where you can be made holy and blameless and righteous by grace and grace alone so that you can not be afraid of the one who loves you. He, can, he draws near, and it's not threatening. But the cross also shows me the, you know, the one enemy. Right? I mean, maybe you, have a, maybe you try really hard to be good, and this is really hard for you to hear that you need forgiveness of sins. But the one enemy that the horn of salvation came to defeat, to gore, to kill, is the lion of death. And no one, no one here in this room can do that on their own. He comes to... He dies and is raised on the third day to defeat death, to take away your fear of death so that you might serve the God who loved you first. So you can visit others with the same good news, that the horn of salvation has defended you, and you now have this horn, well, as your guide through the desert, protecting you. And so look, my challenge for you this morning is we, I just wanted to camp out on that image. That's where I got stuck. We got, I didn't get much further than verse 69. Look at the horn of your salvation this Christmas. Right. John Piper has a great image from his sermon on, on this, where he says, if I were an artist, I would paint for my home a special Christmas painting this year and hang it on the wall near the manger scene. It'd be one of those massive big oil canvases The scene would be of a hill at dawn. The sun is about to rise up above the hill. And as the rays shoot up and out of the picture, all alone you see silhouetted on the hill at the center. Very dark is this magnificent wild ox. His back is seven feet tall on the crown of his head, nine feet tall. And on both sides of his head there is a horn curving out and up six feet long and 12 inches thick at the base. And there this ox stands, sovereign and serene, facing the southern sky with his massive neck slightly cocked. And impaled at the end of his long horn hangs a huge lion, dead. That's that's where you look this Christmas. To see your sin, dead, crucified with Christ. To see your enemy of death, slain, so that you can trust that no matter what comes, you will wake up in the new heavens and new earth to be welcomed. It takes away the power of the evil one to throw your failures in your face because your sins have been forgiven. They're dead. It's gone. Because of the violent, 
tender mercy of Jesus at Christmas who came to visit. I, mean, I think you can hear echoes of Zephaniah in Zechariah's song here where he says, Sing aloud, O citizen of Zion, O daughter of Zion, shout, rejoice, celebrate, because the Lord has taken away all judgments against you. Every single one. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. He has visited. You shall never again fear evil, for on that day it shall be said, Don't be afraid. Don't let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Blessed be our God, says Zechariah, who has visited and redeemed his people. It's such a beautiful, powerful text. Not only do we praise God, but blessed, God is blessed by the story of Christmas because he comes to bring us. He has a blessedness in of himself, a joy. So what do you do with all this? Rejoice. Look at the horn of your salvation. Uh, there's a lot more we could talk about, about God's Christmas light of the fact that this is like a dawning of a completely new day. It's like the sunrise himself has come to visit you. It changes everything. Right. So one of the things Zechariah is saying there is that Malachi is coming true. Malachi chapter 4, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Then when you get to the extent you understand that God has come to visit, to help, to forgive, to show you mercy, uh, it's going to be like noon in your darkness. It's going to be like the dawning of a new day. And the result, according to Malachi 4, is you'll go out leaping like calves from the stall, rejoicing in this new day, <laughs> celebrating new life. So to the extent you understand the horn of your salvation, it'll chase away your fears. As, we, as, as the hymn says, O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer. Our spirits by your advent here, you're coming here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. So you get, you get blasted by rays of hope. And he also teaches you a new way to live, and we're going to keep talking about that. Uh, especially in the next year in Colossians. But he's going to guide you on the way of peace, the path of peace. There's a whole new way to live. It has a reorienting power, because the image of being lost in the darkness, of needing someone to guide you, it's a picture of being out in the desert, um, just lost and alone and have no idea where you're going, and you're just sitting there waiting for the sun to come, because I don't know where to go, I'm lost. That's what Christmas does. It's a completely reorientation, a complete reorienting power when Jesus invades, when he comes to visit you. He's going to teach you how to live at peace with God and with other people. So you can get that taste as, uh, as we, we have in our reflection here of, of the wolves frolicking with the lambs, the leopards and goats napping together, the cows and bears Lunching together rather than having each other for lunch. <laughs> You're being taught the ways of peace, which involves forgiving others as you've been forgiven, working towards reconciliation to the best of our ability. And you know what you'll be? And this is the image I'll leave you with. 
one of the things Jesus later calls his followers in Luke, an echo of what Zechariah sung here, he calls us sons of light, children of the light. Right? That those on whom God the Son has visited, to the extent you believe this, right, you become a child of light. You shine with a light of hope when you go visit other people. As you say the same things, you could just read Zechariah's prophecy. God has come. There is hope in the darkness. You have a place to turn. So when you show up this Christmas and visit people, you do so as sons and daughters of light because God has first visited you, who is light. You're armed with the sunrise of Jesus himself and able to proclaim good news. And because God was patient with Zechariah and he's been patient with you, you'll be patient with others as they don't believe it the first time. Because we all need that help and that patience and forgiveness, the tender mercies. Right? So as the scriptures themselves say, God's friends, those who believe God's good news about Jesus that we just talked about, you shine like the sun, not because of anything we have done, but that's one of the gifts of Christmas. So trust in Jesus. Let's pray. And Father, we got a glimpse of the joy that Zechariah had at your forgiveness, at you coming down to visit us. And so I just pray we would... Wherever we are at, I pray for those in our congregation who, are, who feel like they're in darkness, sitting in the shadow of death, Lord, that the light of your presence would shine upon them as they believe the good news, and that also that the light of your presence would shine upon them as we visit them and care for them, because we love those that you have brought among us. And so invade our lives, Lord, with the, the Christmas joy that Zechariah sings about. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.